I am really sorry that I just randomly was like, we're not doing this last week. <laughs> I love that we set this up so that if one of us were absent, we could do it just two people. And then I was like, no, none of us are doing it. We're not doing it. But Tanner's it. got the links to the stream yard and to the recording and you do all the productions. So yeah, yeah. I really lied about that. It's a three man show or it's nothing. Uh, also, I just decided, Eric, that we're going to release this podcast on different platforms other than Spotify now. So people might be hearing us for the first time in this random cold open. Are you excited? How many dozens of people have listened to us thus far? Uh, it's one dozen, in fact, a single nice. dozen, which is a milestone of a sort, I think. Have we gotten a baker's dozen or just a regular dozen? <laughs> oh, you can't expect so much so soon. <laughs> so a regular dozen is what I'm hearing. It's a regular dozen. We can't compare ourselves to bakers. You, know, you got we have to Brandon talk. is constantly an elitist in in regards to things that involve baking. His waffles, his crusties mix. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now I will be an elitist. Waffles are not baking. <laughs> what? You fry them in a special pan. What? Baking is putting something in the oven. Dang, hold on a minute. This might actually be something worth. Is there a philosophical conversation here? It is happening. It's kind of like, is a taco a hot dog? Or is cheesecake a cake or a pie? Okay, well, hmm. this is great content. We have we have stumbled upon liminal territory. Yeah, we really okay. Have. I Britannica.com says waffles, crisp raised cake baked in a waffle iron. So maybe they're baked in the waffle iron. There's a stronger argument for that a waffle is baked good because it's kind of enclosed by the waffle iron as as uh, you would an oven. Mm-hmm. Baking is the action of cooking food by dry heat without direct exposure to a flame, typically in an oven. So typically, not always. Does that mean I'm baking my fried eggs because <laughs> they're not coming in contact with flame and I cooked them in a pan? An open pan is not an oven. Wow, I can't believe this conversation is even happening. No, this is no longer a fatherhood podcast. This is about culinary metaphysics. <laughs> Hey there, welcome back to the Fatherhood Podcast. Some of you hearing us for the first time on platforms that aren't Spotify. Very cool. The very first time. Um, For those of you who do listen on Spotify, there's video now with this podcast. For those of you who listen to us elsewhere, there's probably not, but maybe there is. You can check. uh, And maybe we'll be on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Surprise! We'll see see what I have time to do later on this Saturday. Is it Saturday? Yeah. Can we just take this hour and split it into... 120 30 second clips and just put it on TikTok and like a playlist and then boom. That's what Gary V tells us to do. Isn't That's it? all platforms. All right. Anyways, this is the introduction. My line was supposed to be, and I'm Eric. <laughs> I didn't even say, and I'm Tanner. And I'm Tanner. Eric's. And I'm minion. Brandon. Uh, hey, Brandon. Um, this episode is going to be, as you can see, if you're watching and you can't if you're not, uh, about what to eat, or rather how to eat well as expecting a new parents. For those of you who are new to the show, I have a son coming for the first time, first kid I've ever had in April. So just in a couple of few weeks, really, probably going to be here early, judging by the size of him. Uh, Brandon's been doing this for a long time. He's a veteran, four kids. Holy smokes. Eric, longer than me, a couple of years old now, Eric, your daughter? Uh, 17 months as of 
two days ago. When does that stop the months thing? When do you start saying years? I want to say about at two years. At two years, not thirteen. Uh, you could you could say like thirty six months. Like I've like a lot of it has to do with the clothes. You'll learn this, Tanner. A lot of clothes are. I but no, I think it's two T and twenty four months are about the last time you you do that in clothes. So yeah, maybe maybe. I was thinking it really had something more to do with the average American's ability to multiply twelves times tables. <laughs> no, I think it's a, clothes is a good example and like developmental milestones because mm. like there's a big difference between an eight month old and a ten month old. Okay, well let's talk about eating well because I'm getting fatter than a house, you guys. Every time my wife wants to eat a sweet treat, I want to eat a sweet treat because let's be honest, I always want to eat a sweet treat and I'm just one small millimeter of encouragement away from giving into <laughs> it. So I think over the course of the eight or so months that my wife has now been pregnant, I have probably gained 20 pounds and I don't know how to stop it because I don't feel like my intuition, which is based in nothing because I have no kids so far, my intuition suggests that it's only going to get more difficult to eat well once the child arrives, it will still be difficult, but for different reasons. And I would just love both of your takes on just that. Brandon and I are, are, are both doing this with our, like, bobbing side to side, like, yeah, yes and no. Yeah, it could be, could be. Uh, I think the most important question to start is, is how much weight has your wife gained during the pregnancy? Is she, like, within bounds? Because that's something that they measure as a part of, like, checkups and stuff like that. And there are guidelines. She's great. She's a little bit over, but she's also Filipino, and I'm a giant Scottish man by nature. So oh, she you said is the baby's bigger than large. Yeah, the, the baby's a little large. Not so much that we're concerned about uh, anything drastic, but it has been marked as being in a percentile that's like just over where they ought to be at where they are right now. Along, mm-hmm. along the. But she, but as far as weight's concerned. I mean, she was an athlete before she got pregnant. <laughs> I've ruined that for her now. <laughs> I was going uh, to say, be very careful yeah. when it comes to talking about weight and your pregnant wife. Well, Just you know, saying. She, she is a cyclist. She ran a lot. And and she eats healthy by default. I don't know why. She just, she's better trained than me <laughs> at eating well. Uh, and so the, the kind of weight she's gained has pretty much exclusively just been the weight of the baby. She's one of those women that just has the bump. Well, that's good. I mean, that's that's great news. A lot of that weight disappears immediately, right? Because it's fluid and a whole baby. But what about mine? When does mine disappear? When does the weight I'm gaining disappear? When you go into labor. <laughs> um, I definitely gained gained weight like with my wife. And then once the baby was born, like it, it tapered off. Um, but you also have a first few months. One of the things I was, I was thinking the, earlier this week, one of the things we didn't talk about is kind of like the crazed like state, I don't want to say hormonal because it's not exactly that. It's this crazed state you get into when you're a very new parent and you're sleep deprived and you're running on like fear and adrenaline. And the only sound that matters is the baby crying. It's like you, your your own thoughts like recede into the, the far distant background, like the text in Star Wars, your own thoughts just kind of fly off into space. And the only thing that matters is, is, uh, that the baby could be crying or that somebody's Somehow crunching. The baby it. is awake again and princess Leia needs to wait. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I had this strange phenomenon, uh, especially with eating to tie this back in. It was that um, me crunching on things or people chewing on food started to like squeak and like sound like a baby. And like you'd eat an apple and in my brain would hear like crunch, 
crunch. Like a sound and a baby, like everything sounds like a baby's crying because you're in this crazy adrenaline state. And I think that helps you burn a, a burn way more calories because you can't eat normally when the baby is brand new. For reference, this makes more sense when you understand that Eric eats live animals. It's what, it's what it sounds <laughs> like crying baby when he eats his food. Yeah, it's true. That was a weird phenomenon. I, 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 this is the reaction I get whenever I, I tell anybody, but you'll you'll see as soon as as soon as you have a newborn. Um, I have two very distinct memories from when my baby was first born. Like my very first thought, as soon as the the doctors like pulled the baby out, was just like, uh, "I need to get this baby away from all these strangers." Like I need to go take the baby to the top of a very tall tree. Like that was like primate, you know, gorilla instincts. Where like we need to t- take our baby to a safe place high on the mountain. Um, and then everything sounded like a baby crying for months. So, yeah, with all that going on, I feel like food, all of a sudden, that sweet treat is just like the farthest, farthest thing from your brain. Like, you're just like, oh, I could go. After you change 30 diapers in one day, you're just like, I could go for a treat. No. But you, but, so I've heard there's a comedian, I can't remember who it was, but they said that once the kid's born, you don't even eat anymore. You're just kind of like eating the kid's leftover dino nuggets hovered over the sink in the few moments that you have to do that. And then it's off to something else. So, here's the thing, Tanner. Like, there's a couple of different kinds of dads out there. And you're starting this at a later point in your life. So maybe you'll be able to skip this. I know I did this at the very beginning. It's like, we're not wasting that food. We're going to eat that food. And like you, I made you four dino nuggets and you ate one of them. Well, those three dino nuggets are still good. I'm going to eat those. If you're not going to eat those, I'm going to eat those. Right. And, uh, so it has taken me some years to break that habit. Uh, part of it was also because, you know, I was a broke 20 year old. 20 something year old when I had my first kid. And so like every penny mattered at that point. I, uh, had, had somebody who was, a who has a significant age gap between them and their youngest sibling, uh, tell me the other day, it's like, we were raised by completely different parents. And that's what we're seeing. Like my oldest was raised by broke 20 year olds. And now my youngest were, uh, you know, I'm almost 40. I'm in a professional career. I've got the stability that we didn't necessarily have when my oldest was young. And so com- I'm a completely different person now than I was 15 years ago when that baby was born. Um, some of that's just due to nature and age. And some of that's due to how, how I've learned and grown as a parent. Um, so I think you'll be able to skip out on a lot of these things, but you know, it's a habit thing, I think, is what we're is what we're really talking about. It's like, what are your habits? Because, you know, I mentioned I was in my 20s when I had my first kid. I used to go out and play basketball with people from the neighborhood two times a week. And uh, then, you know, my wife got pregnant and, you know, I tried to be the doting. <laughs> I like that you said she got pregnant. She just came home one day. She's pregnant. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I mean, I've got four kids. How does that, how does that even happen? Oh, that's why I've got four kids. Uh, no, but so she, she got pregnant. And so I wanted to be the, uh, the attentive husband. Right. And so all of a sudden I stopped going and playing basketball. I stopped doing the active things. Right. And Tanner's pointing to himself. Like he's given up sports in the last eight months. <laughs> this is not true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I gained weight, not just because I ate with my wife. Cause honestly, my wife, the first trimester for her, she was, she, she gets really sick in all of her pregnancies. And so she wasn't eating extra 
and she craved things uh, like broccoli. It was, I mean, it wasn't that, but like she very rarely did she want like some sweet treat. I mean, she was always down for ice cream and stuff like that, but uh, I don't think that was as much a factor as it was. My lifestyle changed. My stress levels went up. Your body holds on to weight when you're stressed. Um, and so, yes, you need to be more mindful about what you're eating because it's just how the human body is. You're in a, you're entering a stage in your life where it's really convenient and really easy to be like, I'm going to get a quick dopamine hit by eating this thing that I like. Uh, and I don't have time to go play an hour and a half of basketball. So, uh, I need to get that dopamine somehow. Let me just do that. Um, and so it's just, I mean, weight is really a vicious cycle. I've, I've struggled with my weight my entire life. I've always felt like I was a really big guy and I am a really big guy. Um, but you know, it's, there've been a, there've been a couple times with my kids where it's like, I'm all focused on them and my wife and you get on the scale and it's like, Whoa, how did I gain this 30 pounds here? And then it takes you a long time to get that off. It takes a lot longer to take the weight off than it does to put it on. So, but I, I, I know that there, this is not new information for anybody out there, but this is, that's what I found for me as a, as a newly expecting slash young father. Yeah. I think the, the, the crux of it is what you said is that, is that it's, it's about habits and having a baby from the, the start of the pregnancy until, uh, until you're retired and they've left the house and started their own lives is like a significant change in your day-to-day and your habits right as soon as your wife gets pregnant their their eating habits of by necessity change right all of a sudden they start taking prenatal pills which are kind of gross they're taking fish oil pills which is also can be gross it took my wife a long time to find pills that didn't like upset her stomach and give her like fish burps and then there's food aversions i've heard i've heard uh, one of the books we really liked was by uh, a doctor named lily nichols and it's called, I think it's um, now a food for pregnancy or something like that. And she's, she does a really good job of like going into all the food myths that are around pregnancy. Cause I feel like that is just the start of dis- your habits getting disrupted, right? If you liked chicken, except your wife's three months pregnant and you throw a chicken breast in the pan and all of a sudden she can never smell that again for six months or there will be hell to pay and, and vomit to show for it. So it's like, it's just a huge change to your habits. And, and then eventually the baby comes and you have three months of being woken up every two hours and trying to maintain your eating habits while feeding a baby and changing a baby. And then when they get to the point where they can eat real food, we started, my daughter was on real food by like three to four months, uh, which is pretty early. I think all things considered. And there's like baby led weaning. And then it's like, you're trying to get them to eat, food that's real food except then you're like cooking for you and for them and it took us a while to like get that balance of like when can the baby eat the things that we generally eat so that we don't have to be cooking six meals a day we can just cook the the three so on that topic i've recently come across a tiktok called cooking for levi have you seen this so the kid is somewhat of a kind of a social media explosion at the moment. I think he was recently on Oprah or Ellen or one of those type of shows, a big show. And the father 
uh, asks Levi on a seems like a daily basis what he would like to eat, and they cook it together, and they're developing this kid's palate in a way that is, I mean, this kid knows what Bernays sauce is, for example, and I didn't know what that was until I could afford to go pay $50 for a steak when I was 30, right? He, he, he understands food and has acquired a taste for good food uh, at an age that I think he might be eight at the moment no no this is this is this is bs okay so i just i just looked it up as i was looking down it's bs looking for Levi. like it's great like yes expose your children to every single kind of food share with them your kinds of food it's great my son was my oldest son he used to sit down and eat sushi with me as a two-year-old like he loved it rice and fish and vegetables it was great he loved it uh once he became about like eight, no, no way I could get him to eat that. He absolutely just does not like the idea of it right now. Um, as you grow, and this might be a myth, but it's a myth that I fully have seen in my kids as you grow. And as you get older, and I've seen it myself too, your taste buds change. And I don't know if it's because your taste buds themselves develop and change, or if it's because mentally, like you like different things and you change that way. But yes, you can expose your kids and it is your job as you, as the parent to teach your children about all of these different kinds of things and to give them that. But you can't force a child to like something. Um, my two-year-old just will not eat certain things and we've like fought and we like tried to make him eat and made him stay in his high chair while he ate it and uh, that backfired. Right. So because all of a sudden he hated that even more. And this is our fourth child. Like all, all of our kids have been picky about something, but our youngest is the most picky that any of ours have been. And we even talked about, talked to the pediatrician about it. We were even like, Hey, this is, this is way harder than all of our other kids. And the pediatrician, pediatrician said, no, this is normal. He'll eat what he's going to eat. Make sure he has healthy things around him. But don't stress about that too much because kids, they will change. Uh, they can't verbalize what it is they like about things and what they don't. Sometimes it's taste. Sometimes it's texture. So like, just experiment with those things. And yeah, experiment and see what your kid likes. But don't expect them to be like, I like, I like to have this super fancy thing. They might just want chicken dino nuggets. I'm, we're giving them a lot of brand recognition today because is that a brand? They're, they're the cheapest chicken nuggets at Costco. Oh, all right. Well, um, anybody got eyes on the followership of uh, cooking for Levi? Because I'm worried we've just <laughs> Brandon's just <laughs> no, no, like it's cool. Over. It's cool, and I want I want him to succeed, and I and I'm going to start watching this because I love watching kids do this. But the fact that you, but you like, and I'm happy that it's working for him, and that he's his kid has found that he likes these things. But don't watch. Oh, I mean, okay. Don't watch. Oh, we've hit such a nerve. We've hit such a nerve with Brandon. I can't you, even you believe did. Like, he's so it's, it's, it's not. It's not just. It's not just like cooking and feeding your kids. It's, it's comparing yourself to other parents and comparing yourself. Well, their kid's doing this. Like, yes, there are some milestones. Yes, their kid has started to talk at the appropriate times. They use the right amount of words. They they can walk. They can do all of these things. Those milestones are good to make sure your baby's healthy. But like, my child won't eat sushi. That is not a milestone for anyone anywhere. So don't, because you're going to feel like a terrible parent if you're like, oh, I made mac and cheese. And this dad over here is making filet mignon. Like, just 
just be happy that your kid's eating and not mal malnourished. Like just make sure they're getting some decent food. I feel like if you're a, a, a parent that's conscious about what you're feeding your kid, then there's always a moment of like, you know, you end up giving them pretzels for a snack and then you're just like, is this the fourth day that we've had pretzels? And then you feel you, you get this little pull on your heartstrings to be like, can like, why do we not have fruit in this house? Like, why is there no broccoli around? Like we're just mainlining pretzels. And so it's just a constant balance, right? Everyone says a balanced diet. There's some really, I've heard some interesting takes on like that. The uh, a balanced diet is a pretty meaningless term, but everyone feels that way. It's like, well, I've, I've eaten a lot of this, so I should probably eat some more of the other things just, just to mix it up. I think a lot of people think variety is, is of value, but this this uh, 1.4 million followers for cooking for Levi. I think it's great. I think it's a great way to sell cookbooks. Is, <laughs> I don't know that he has it. any cookbooks, but he may well probably does at this point. He does. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm sure it's good. You know, it's for people who like to cook. Like I like to cook. Right. So when uh, we and I, we cook a lot, we cook three meals a day for three to four people. So it's like it, you end up cooking a lot and it's a pain when you have you put work and work and money and time into cooking. And then your kid is like, I'll just eat pretzels. And then you have a mental note in your head. That's like, well, we're not going to buy pretzels next week. So figure it out. I want to say that the reason that I brought up cooking for Levi was not to, Oh man, I'm so worried. Now the comments are going to come flooding in from our 12 listeners. (laughs) How dare you? All 13 of them now we're getting a baker's dozen We're we've got the refined palate Tanner. A baker's dozen. We just went from a dozen to a half dozen listeners because we trashed uh, we trashed on Levi. I think the reason that I was bringing that up was the idea that if we can introduce our kids to this is just a theory I have as someone who does whose kid has not yet arrived, and I'd like your feedback on if we can introduce our kids to foods that are not you know Dino Nuggets or whatever things that we as adults probably do not want to eat it probably makes eating healthy or eating the way that we think we should be eating as individuals. However, we define that as being healthy. It's probably easier if the food we're eating is the same food that the kid is eating. I think that's why I'm interested in the idea because I feel like if you don't do that, then you're cooking meals for your kids and you're either cooking the same meal for yourself, which is probably, you know, not, not what you prefer to eat uh, or you're cooking two meals, a meal for your kid and, a meal for you. And maybe that becomes unmanageable very quickly. It did in our experience. We tried to do the homemade baby food gag for a while. And it just turns out to be like really a lot of work to just be steaming and boiling and mashing and storing all, all of these. While the Gerber vegetable is sitting right there. Like I'm ready. <laughs> I'm right here. You just have to pop the top. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's just like, I mean, we eat, we, we have a decent farmer's market near us, right? So at any point in time, we have a decent supply of like vegetables, like real ingredients that we can cook with, but it, it does turn into a lot of work if you're trying to make baby specific food and then cook for yourself. Cause then it's just like, you've created twice as many dishes. You've spent twice as much time preparing twice as much time cooking. And now you got to clean it all up and that, and then the baby doesn't like what, what you've given them anyway. So it is a struggle. Does that mean that you wound up cooking in a 
adult centric way. And then the kid was just eating, you know, stuff that, for example, Gerber mashed up carrots or something like that. So we, we, we ended up not buying a ton of baby food and we would do mostly milk. There's like a weaning process, right? But our, my daughter was off milk. She, I think she was off breast milk by nine months and off milk. And then we switched to like whole milk, cow's milk. And then she was off that by at her one year checkup. The doctor's, the doctor, you know, she weighed in. She's in, she's tall for her age and heavier for her age. Um, and the doctor was like, what, what is her diet like? And my wife's like, oh, she drinks, you know, three bottles a day and she eats, you know, real people food three meals a day or more and snacks. And then the doctor's like, okay, she doesn't need milk anymore. Like for sure. Like if she's eating food, then, then they don't need milk. That's just like a transition, but it is a, it is like a weaning process of like the more real food they start to eat, the less milk they need to drink. Can I just ask that you make a differentiation real quick? And I think it it might even be on Brandon's mind. The look he just gave the camera. You're saying doesn't need to drink milk anymore. You mean breast milk, not milk. Like milk, healthy bones, got milk, that kind of thing. Milk of any variety. The doctor said, like they don't oh, need really? to drink. Yeah, yeah. Like milk is not. They don't need that. They might want it sometimes, and it's fine. Like it's not going to hurt them to give it to them. But you, there's there comes a point where they don't need three, four bottles of milk a day, uh, and and that's fine. Like I think what the key that Eric said though, because there are so many yahoos out there. I mean, we've got three of us right here that will give you parenting advice all day long that have that have no expertise the key to what eric said was they talked to their pediatrician pediatrician said okay now it's time to do these things and you know every pediatrician is going to be different which is why it's important to find it find a pediatrician that you can uh that you can understand and feel confident in not one that has like healing crystals hanging in their waiting room well i mean yeah yeah, I was going to yeah. try to be like, no, that's not, no, no. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, so now we have dropped down to two listeners. I have a love hate with the healing crystals because, like, there's a part of me that just oh like, shit, like rocks. Rocks are cool, and there's just like they're always talking <laughs> like they know more, right? They know more about geology than I do, and then there's just like labradorite is good for uh, healing sadness. And I'm just like, yeah, it's cool looking too. Yeah, I mean it's, it's shiny. It's shiny. Yeah. That's, the, that's the stuff I like. I want. Yeah. I, I I on TikTok I get some of those uh, tumbling videos where it's, I've put these rocks in this tumbler for thirty days. Let's see what they look like now. And like yeah. it's they pulled out, they rinse, and they're shiny. That's cool. Rocks are cool. Yes, rocks are cool uh, for the right purposes of of being beautiful. Now is your um, kid hungry? No. Give him this rock. <laughs> it's it's minerals, Stone right? Stone soup. Stone soup, everyone knows this. Vitamins and minerals. (laughs) But but just work with your pediatrician. They will be able to tell you, like, now is the time where you need to do this. Like, props to Eric for trying to do all the baby food uh, themselves. That's a lot of work. Um, In my brain, that is the same amount of work as doing reusable cloth diapers, which I know there are people who do that, but... You know what? No, I I just can't. Do I exnade that. that so quick when that idea came up. I was like, no, no, it's way cheaper, no, no. But you know what? I'll live in a cardboard box if that means I don't have to wash. Can I tell you the reason I said no? Because I don't want anybody who loves that to think that. Is this I your story about your dad? No, 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 no. That's no. I'm not no. going to tell that again. That's only gonna be we told all know that that it's like you like to have arbitrary authority. No, over your wife. <laughs> I mean that's true. 
and my <laughs> son will know how true it is. Um, no, the reason that I did that was because in my head, in order to get a poo-covered rag clean, there has to be some sort of certain way of sanitizing that. And I did not trust myself nor our crappy British washing machine to do a good job of that. And I was like, I'd rather not risk giving my kids some kind of infection because the the cloth is not clean. Uh, and I would rather pay for disposable diapers. I'm also lazy and don't want to do more laundry, but that was the number one reason. I did limited research into this problem and there are services where where you can just they will clean and deliver like fresh type I would love to pretend like I I first of all I didn't know that I would love to pretend like I would I wouldn't do that because it sounds like such a posh thing to do but I also allow the royal mail service to show up and take all my Nespresso cups to recycling so clearly I had I known about that I might have been uh uh convinced to to get the diaper cleaning service. Half of the reason to go through the the diaper, the uh, reusable diapers, is because they are reusable. And I just feel like shipping them off to somebody else and getting them traded out. Yes, yes, they're being reused. But how reused are they at that point? Like, And not just reusable, but cheaper. And it's, It can't be cheaper to have somebody pick up your, your dirty diapers to wash them. No, it might be it might be a little bit more expensive if I remember correctly. But. Hey, what do you do for a living, Brandon? Oh, uh, you know, I I mean a couple things: pick stuff up, drop stuff off, do a little cleaning. What's the job <laughs> title? Yeah, manager of Sanit- soil sanitation engineer. Sanitation engineer. <laughs> oh man, I've had some shitty jobs, but that one would take the cake for sure. Back to food, though. Back to food. I do want to... What about shit doesn't have something to do with food? I mean, we're still on topic here. Uh, I will say, I th- there was there was a phase for my daughter where the, 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 the poops were very solid, right? When we were introducing a lot of vegetables and stuff like that. So enough fiber in that diet to hold everything together. But in the beginning, I can't imagine having to do it with newborns because they're, they're... No way those diapers contain everything. No, no. Even... even even state of the art, you know, disposable diapers can't contain the the madras curry that comes shooting out there of your a, baby. There, now I can't go get curry anymore. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> just imagining what's that scene where the guy's like, "Release the kraken." <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Oh no. Yeah. It is very much in the beginning. It's fun because everyone's new to changing diapers, and you're just like, "Look at this! Come look at this one. This is a travesty." Did you know it How could look like happen? this? I didn't know it could look like that. Yeah, and sometimes it's just so liquidy; it's just like impossible to think of. Well, Eric, you have a different any problem other person in your whole life. You have a different problem because you have a girl. But I was I just the other night I woke up giggling because well I don't know that I was completely asleep, but maybe I was like partially dreaming. I woke up just thinking about the idea that I was going to spend the next many months of my life, years of my life, cleaning poop off of tiny little balls. And it made me laugh so hard. You laugh now. Like with like two little fingers, you're delicately just wiping poop off the balls. It's so funny to me. It's not going to be funny soon, but it's funny to me now. You can't do it delicately. You got to get in there. Yeah, that's right. It's the only time we're going to get the experience. (laughs) Brandon, like you want to bring us back? The here, novelty man? wears off. <laughs> so, okay, all right. This, I, I, there's no transition for this because I can't. But something that I do want to make sure that we talk about with this is your habits as and your relationship with food as an adult 
will rub off on your children. So like if you are constantly stressing about like, I can't eat that, that is unhealthy. And you are like telling your wife that while your kids at the table and they hear you, uh, you know, doing something for better or worse, your child will build the same kind of relationship with food that you have. Well, maybe no, it's no, no, adversarial. Maybe they, they, they love could, it. They could internalize it either way, right? You can't control. You hate it, so maybe they internalize it as they like it because you hate it, or vice oh, versa. Oh, dad doesn't like this, which must mean it's great. So maybe, yeah. But like your relationship with food will affect your child. Mm, I totally believe and, that. Yeah. And even even if you can't control how they are going to internalize that relationship, like any contentious relationship is not. No matter how you internalize it is not going to be healthy for the child. So like you need to, you need to look at your stuff and you need to be healthy, but you also need to not add that level of stress. Like somebody once told me good parenting is just the least possible way to mess up your child. So there you're going to do things and you're like, Oh dang it. I did that. I messed up my kid this way because I realized that after after I we went to the park every time I stopped at the convenience store and got a slushies because I thought I was being a good dad and building that bonding time. Now all of a sudden that kid is thirty five and has to have a slushie every time he goes and gets in the car because I mean to be honest with you, Brandon, that doesn't sound like the travesty you're painting it up to be. You're making it up to be. I have a slushie every day, <laughs> and and you were the, never mind. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Because, but, but no, I, I, I say that kind of jokingly, but like my dad, after basketball practice, when I was a kid playing little league basketball, we would stop at the gas station and get a Gatorade after each practice because he's like, you need to get yourself hydrated again. And you need to, you know, and he, and he spent that as bonding time. And we had some great discussions going and getting Gatorades, but we also like, I now like, Every morning I get in the car, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go stop at that gas station and get myself a drink. And like for a while, that was my, I knew that I had made it because I could get that special thing every day now. And then all of a sudden I gained 50 pounds because I had a commute that took me 30 minutes to. And so every morning I was grabbing myself a, a soda and, or a Gatorade or something and, and a snack for the car, because that's how my dad uh, bonded with me and that relationship with that food rubbed off on me in a way that my dad did not intend. And my dad did not teach me, but adversely impacted my life because I didn't, I didn't think about that. I think that's, a, that's a really good example because like you have an association, you know, like ultimately I think if you spoke to like neurochemists and psychologists, they would tell you like, man, if you have a good hearty breakfast, it triggers the same neurons in your brain as the memory of going to get Gatorades with your dad after the big game, right? Those are like dopamine, serotonin level, like neurological events. So your body, it's your body doesn't know the difference between nutritious dopamine and like just generic, emotionally pleasurable dopamine off brand dopamine. (laughs) Right. It's just different things, right? But but at a certain point, uh, there was a meme a very long time ago or a t-shirt or something where it had two molecules on it. And it's just like dopamine and serotonin, technically the only two things you enjoy. It's just like, 
because at a certain level of analysis, that could be what it comes down to. And I'm speaking as somebody who just watches a lot of YouTube. Those are the people who say like, love is just a chemical reaction. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, on one level of analysis, you know, the tricky part about anything is that like one level of analysis is never enough, right? So it's just like, yeah. Well, to, if you're on that level of analysis, you're probably right. Yeah. So it's just like, and, and health is a good example of that because I feel like there's, there's the strict nutrition of it all. And I think one of the things that everyone should be doing if they're trying to focus on their food intake and their diet is when do you eat because you're hungry and when do you eat because it feels good to eat? Like consuming calories makes you feel good. Like it increases your metabolism. That makes you have more energy and having more energy in general feels better than not. So it's like, are you eating snacks because you, because it makes you feel good or because you're hungry? Are you eating chocolate because of the antioxidants or are you eating it because it's because there's a movie on? Like those are very different behaviors and it's, it's important to be critical of those things. I just have to point out, I don't think anybody eats chocolate because they're like, I need antioxidants. What am I? I'm going to eat my chocolate. Like those people, they're going to eat the blueberries. I, you can eat chocolate because you like chocolate. It's fine. Just, just like Eric's saying, just be mindful of that. Right. You have to be mindful of like, you know, if you're, if you're right, if it's, if, if it's, it's like, you know, the joke is that like, oh, people go through a breakup or they get sad, they eat ice cream and they watch TV. It's just like, I don't know, it's, is that, that is not, that behavior is not conducive in the long term. Like, it's great if you only do that for one night after a breakup, but if you're doing it every night of the week because the baby's gone, the baby goes to bed and you're finally alone for a minute or you're there with your wife and you get the veg, like we... Uh, my wife and I, whenever we watch TV, I feel like half the time it's just so that we can have an excuse to sit still and zone out. So it's like it doesn't it doesn't matter what we put on the TV because it's really just like it's like this weird American form of meditation where I'm just going to have a quiet moment in front of the TV and let the Ryan Seacrest bathe over me. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> I don't want Ryan Seacrest <laughs> bathing with me, over me, on me, with me. None of that. Eric. This is a family show. So <laughs> oh, cut it out. What do you, what do you want from me? <laughs> there's some, <laughs> there's, there's two things that are going through my mind. The first is an overwhelming pressure to sort these things out before the kid is here. Like, oh, if I don't sort them out now, there's no way I'm going to sort it out later. And then also. Oh, well, great news. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Not, neither Give way. it up. You're not going to sort a terrible, it out, period. Now it's a later. terrible goal. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, and I'm glad to hear that's a terrible goal because I mean, I agree. That makes sense that that's not, you're not going to f- any more than you're going to sort your life out on the first of the new year because you're, you know, your promise, your new year's resolution said you would. I think it's kind of like that. But the, the other thing I'm thinking is, is the strategic play here to, to communicate a relationship with food to your kids in a way where, you're not communicating it directly. Like you're not talking about food. You're leading by action and hoping that they, and just being very cognizant of the actions and decisions that you're choosing. Cause you know that they're watching you and just hope that that plays in the direction you want it to. Cause they're all their own little people, right? They come, they're not, they, they're, they're not completely blank slates when they show up, they do have their own characters and they're a mix of, 
who you are and who your partner is and and then they're a unique expression of that but they have their they have their own direction that they're going to go in no matter what outside influence there is i believe that but certainly so outside influence can act as like bumpers in a certain direction. So is that what you're trying to do in concerns to food? Do you, do you both try to do that? Brandon, what do you do in your house? You've got four different kids plus your wife, plus you. So you've got a lot of different preferences for food. Uh, how do you find trying to guide a healthy eating behaviors in your house across that, that broader spectrum of you know desires? For the vast majority of my life, I have been on a seafood diet. I see the food and I eat it. Like it's, it's, it's great. It feels great, right? Like that's the kind of thing that you want. Um, so one of the things that we do in my house, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm working towards getting past that. I've, uh, but I, and and being more mindful of it, like, you're like Eric said, you're not going to figure it out before the baby's born. It's going to be a lifelong process of becoming the person that you want to be. And, uh, that's, and that's healthy too, for the kids to see you progressing and you growing and you becoming a better person because of that teaches them they can do the same thing. But when it comes to food specifically, we have learned because there are so many various people and and so many various, uh, preferences we've learned, you know, we just keep some things on hand that are healthy. We have a basket right now downstairs full of apples and, uh, tangerines and in the fridge, there's actually, they're not, it's not there anymore because the kids ate them all last night. There's, we, we buy a few cucumbers a week and, you know, just things that the kids are, I'm hungry. What am I going to get? Well, you can grab a bag of chips or you, you, we've got sliced cucumbers in the fridge that you can go and grab. And my kids, two of my kids absolutely love cucumbers. And so it's hard to keep those in the fridge because they just will sit down and eat an entire cucumber raw. The two-year-old eat, will eat an entire cucumber. Um, but just having those things on hand and having the healthy alternatives like, yeah, we've got pretzels, we've got goldfish, we've got, uh, fruit snacks, all of those things that are staples of a toddler's, uh, snack time. But my son will go and grab a tangerine two-year-old. And just the other day, my wife said, be careful. Connor can now peel tangerines and on his own. And you know, he's two. And so it's a, okay. Like he doesn't always eat what he takes. So we just need to be mindful of that so that he doesn't waste it. Like, okay, we'll peel it. We'll put half of it in the fridge for you. I have a question, professor Brandon. I want to, I want to call you out on something here and I want to see how you respond to it. When we were talking about media consumption in the last episode, you said mm-hmm. something along the lines It was a great episode, of, by the way. Yeah. Got a lot of great feedback on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, Okay. So you said in that something along the lines of you don't want to completely keep from your kids the kind of things that they'll run into when they're not in your home, right? You don't want them to not know what an iPad is because then they'll, they'll look like the Amish kid when they go to regular school. You said something along those lines. Do you feel differently about food in that? We keep healthy things in the house because I've heard some parents say the no, way because that we you still have wait, ice cream. Wait, wait. Okay, all right, uh, all right, all right. The, I've heard some parents say that the way you deal with kids not picking up bad eating habits is one of the best ways to do it, is just not to have these options in the house. And there does seem to be some sensibility to that, but at least as a person who's not yet a parent and hasn't gone through it themselves, but it does seem to me that that's something similar. Like 
like uh, as soon as they get out of the house and they find out what a fruit roll up is, which is dating me because I don't even think they have fruit roll ups anymore. Oh no, my kids love fruit roll ups. Oh, okay, good. Do they still have like the little punch out shapes? Were you like or no? I don't know. I might be too cheap to buy those ones. Oh, those are the, those are like the not the store brand. <laughs> That's like the, the the actual fruit roll up brand, but isn't that kind of like the first time they get out of the house, they're going to find fruit by the foot and they're going to eat a mountain of it because they've never had it before. Do you feel the same way about food or is it different? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I feel that that is really important for them to be able to see the things that they like and the things that tell their brain that this is amazing and learn how to regulate themselves. Like I'm not saying to, you know, give a two-year-old a bottle of alcohol to be like, hey. Okay. Nobody thought you were saying that Mormon Brandon. <laughs> None of us thought. <laughs> but that you know, that's that's where a lot of people who might disagree with me might go. That might be the straw man argument, right? Like, hey, you, you protect your kids against some things. And yeah, that's fine. But realistically, there is sugar and they're gonna go to their friend's house and their friend's parents are going to be like Here's, here is a big bowl of ice cream and you don't want your kid to be like, oh, this is amazing. And then like become uncontrollable at somebody else's house. You got to teach your kids how to manage things. Um, I, you know, my weight, I've been up as high as 420 pounds, uh, just a couple years ago. Now I am, now I am under 300, but you know, it's, it's taken some time to get there. Clapping sound effects. Woo. Yeah, for real. But no, like I've, I've, my weight has swung dramatically and I have found the times that have been the worst for me. Like maybe I start losing the weight, but like where I've crashed back the hardest was when I was in like super deprivation mode diets. I can't eat this. I can't eat that. And then all of a sudden I just get frustrated. I'm like, I want this because it's good and it's delicious. And I am a foodie. I love food. Uh, part of the reason why I, I, I got up to where I was other health reasons too. But, uh, and so I have found that the only way for me to actually lose weight is to not deprive myself of anything, not say you can't eat ice cream. You can't have pizza. You can't have a soda, but to say you can have that. You just can't eat a gallon of ice cream. You have, you can have a slice of pizza. Uh, and Allowing myself to have some things has helped me to have a better relationship with food. So I feel for my children, it's going to be the exact same. Uh, teach them those habits. Don't teach them you can't have that bucket of candy. You can't have any candy because it's not good for you. Because then when they're unattended, they're going to sit down and eat an entire bucket of candy. Um, which I have a bucket of candy in my house. And as a kid, uh, I would not. And this is not because my parents deprived me of anything but just because I, my relationship with food, uh, which at some point is the kid's responsibility, is the individual's responsibility, I would have sat down and eaten that entire bucket. But my kids, we've got the bucket. We have to, we've, it gets filled up. You'll learn this like Halloween and Christmas and Valentine's and things like that. You get buckets of candy in your house. And we've gotten to the point where we just put it all in a bucket and the kids choose to have a treat when they want a treat. And we actually have to empty it between holidays because like, oh, that candy's been in there for three months now. It, that Snickers bar is hard and crunchy now, not because it's got peanuts in it. <laughs> so uh, that is something that I think is a relationship with food that you can teach your children that will benefit them their entire lives. Uh, and, 
you're going to teach like for me, I'm teaching my kids that because that was something I didn't get taught, which my, I only recognize because of the problems that I've had. My kids are going to become adults and be like, man, why didn't dad teach me this? And my, and my dad will be like, well, we taught you that. How come you didn't teach it? Well, because I didn't realize it was such a big deal, right? Like good parenting is just the le- process of screwing up your kids the least. This is something that I know has has affected me. And so I'm trying to teach that, but I'm going to miss something else. So take everything that I'm saying with a grain of salt. My dad drives my sister nuts sometimes because he'll be like, well, when you were kids, you would have never acted like that. And I feel like sometimes my sister wants to say, dad, when we were kids, you were allowed to hit us (laughs) like in public. (laughs) We're living in a very different world with the, we have to acquire very different skills than you had to acquire dad. Uh, I feel like I'm probably going to get a lot of that feedback from him too. I don't know. We'll see. So I want to spend these last 10 minutes or so focusing on the actual, this topic is, or rather this episode has all been about food and eating, but I do want to bring it back to what, what we as new, new parents or expecting parents can do to kind of control how we eat and be more mindful of it. So uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. Is there any trick or methodology that you've learned to apply over the years to pay attention to what you're eating amidst the chaos of having to feed five other people for four other people. Um, so this trick is not necessarily a trick, but a mindset. Um, I feel like, and it's probably true for all three of us because we, I mean, you don't do a fatherhood podcast without being the kind of person who's really concerned about your children, right? Like, you know, whether they're 15 to, or yet to be born, like you're concerned about your kids. Brandon does not mean that we care more about our kids than you do about yours. He does not mean that. That's not yes, what he's saying. Yes, he does. Yes, yes he, he does. does. <laughs> it's not what I'm saying. But, uh, it, it, I mean, no, our listeners, all 13 of them, because we have a baker's dozen, uh, I'm, it's, it's the wish. That's how this works. You put it out there in the universe and it, and it happens. Um, but the people who listen to a podcast, same kind of thing, like about parenting. If you're concerned enough to listen about this, you are concerned about doing the right things for your kids. We're not entertaining enough for people to tune into this just to watch this train wreck. Um, You're trying to do the right thing. Uh, So you think to yourself, I am going to just eat, you know, I'm just going to run through McDonald's on my way to work and I'm not going to get, uh, I'm not going to worry about making myself a lunch because, or a breakfast because I need to take care of my kids. And so I'm going to focus all of my time on getting the kids ready for school before I go to work. And I'll just, I'll just deal with myself later. Well, if you don't take care of yourself, so this is what I've had to learn and what I've had to come to come to terms with myself. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of your kids at 420 pounds. I was not able to run up and down the soccer field with my kids and help coach their teams. It was just too exhausting. And so if you want to be, a parent, a good parent for your kids, you need to think to yourself, yes, making sure that they've got matching clothes is important, but they dressed themselves and that's okay. Sometimes I'm going to go make myself my breakfast, or I am going to prepare a lunch so that it's not fast food for lunch again. Like it's okay to take time for yourself to take care of yourself because by doing that, you can and you will be able to take care of your children better too. 
So be intentional and quote unquote, make space for it. That's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to make space for it or else it's not going to happen. And you feel, you might feel guilty making that space. Like I could use this to do something else for my kids. Well, by making space for it and taking care of yourself. You got 18 years. Calm down. You got 18 years to do something for your kid and probably longer than that. (laughs) What about you, Eric? Uh, I think, you know, it's hard to summarize this because we could probably talk about it for another several hours. Like it's just food is, is uh, there's a million ways to analyze it. And there's tons of great resources for various kinds of diets and weight loss programs and all that stuff. Right. We didn't even talk about exercise, which is probably very, very related. Right. But it takes just as much time and effort and planning and intentionality. You know, the hard, the hard part about, about eating healthy is that it basically means cooking. I like, there's not a lot of healthy food that comes pre-prepared out of the box for a reasonable price. So it's, it's a, it's a trade-off, right? You have to trade health versus convenience like healthy healthy food is not very convenient i would argue but uh i really agree with a lot of the stuff brandon said about that your your kids are learning every day and you know you could put a lot of effort into trying to teach them specific lessons but often they're just learning from what's going on even all the stuff that you're not intending to do all these like byproducts of your day-to-day life they just pick up on all the, all the little habits for, for better or worse. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, if they like my my daughter only drinks water, but we, for basically we only drink water. Um, so like, that's an easy one. So like there's very, there's very few times where if I'm drinking something and, you know, kids do the things where as soon as you have something, they want it. If it's food, if it's a drink or whatever, there's a few times where I'm drinking coffee and then I'm just like, oh, no, you can't have it. And then, you know, my daughter completely just doesn't understand. She's like, I don't understand. You give me your drink Just let her all taste it. She'll probably never fight you on that again. <laughs> Coffee is an acquired <laughs> taste for sure. Yeah. I, f- I feel like uh, one of the things we didn't get to talk about was that, that uh, although Brandon mentioned it, is that their taste buds do change. Because I feel like my, my daughter eats, like, spicy food with zero reaction. So I'm not sure if that's a phase. And then one day she'll eat, eat something spicy. And I'm talking about, like, Spicy, like peanuts or spicy. These Carolina Reapers, she's just eating by the handful right now. You're like, yeah, hey, I exactly. guess they're not there yet. <laughs> Those taste buds aren't there yet. I feel like really the moral of the story is probably that like it is a it is an all consuming every day. I mean, if you're eating three meals a day at least, um, then it's three times a day where you need to like dial in. What are, what are we eating? How much are we eating? Is it the right stuff? Is it in the right context? Like Brandon said, like they go to a birthday party, they're supposed to eat cake and they're supposed to have candy and like enjoy in that moment. But you know, if you have cake in your house at all times like that, that is a, has an abnormal relationship with cake. And there's like, and there's so many kinds of food, right? If you go to the grocery store, there's, there's tens of thousands of SKUs. So it's like, it's a huge problem. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of things to, to try to pay attention to. And then, and then it's a day by day thing. It's a meal, meal by meal thing that you have to dial in. And it takes, it just takes a lot of effort, mental effort and focus. Um, But I think that's kind of what this show is about. We end up talking about all sorts of like little things. Um, 
that it's just like in this endless cycle of this checklist that you have to just like, are we eating good? Are we exercising? Are we learning new words? Are we watching enough TV or too little TV? Or do we have friends? It's this crazy balance of the 80,000 things that, that, that it takes to raise a kid and be yourself and let them be themselves. And it's really a lot. So this is one, one drop in the bucket of what parenting is, but it's that, you know, it's the drop that happens three times a day. I'm really glad that this is where we ended up because the, the honest reason that this topic was the topic that I came to this episode with today is that I recently watched a documentary on Netflix about living to a hundred in, and the host, Eric, have you seen it? Just about the blue zones. Yeah. So the host goes to all these blue zones, Okinawa, Greece, you know, places where becoming a centurion is much more common than it is in other parts of the world. And as I was watching, it was about halfway through, I can't remember if it's a mini series or if it's just a solid documentary, but I was only about 20 minutes into either the first episode or the whole thing. And what struck me was I don't know why this is perceived as some great mystery. These people live to be healthy for a longer period of time because they are cooking at home, being outside, getting some moderate amount of exercise in doing those things, and they have a relatively low-stress lifestyle. And I think if we're talking about a batting average of living longer, that you're going to you're going to have a higher batting average in that regard if you're doing all those things. It won't guarantee you're going to live to be 100 or be healthy, but you're certainly going to be more likely to live longer and be healthier during that longer lifespan if you're doing those things I mentioned. And as I thought that to myself, I thought, am I living with these with these ideas that I clearly know because I'm saying them to myself in my head? Am I living with these ideas in mind? Uh, and I don't. And it sounds like Brandon is just kind of figuring this out for himself now in the last few years. And I have a goal, I think, with my son to make sure that this isn't something that he has to struggle for a long time to figure out himself. And so I'm very interested in everything we just said about cooking at home or finding the right time to do these things and not having to feel like you have to do it perfect, but making a concerted and conscious effort and pay attention to what you're doing. I, I really like everything we talked about today because it's it's reinforced the idea that not just is it a good idea to be intentional about how we feed ourselves and we feed our kids, but that it's also achievable because you guys are doing it. That makes me feel good. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 we can't really add things to there. I just it things to where we. I think to what you were saying, like, yeah, like the, that's, that's the answer. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out as we go. Yeah. There are lots of people who figured it out. I want to, like, if I can leave with one bit of advice on this, not just this topic, but all the topics that we talk about, we talk about fatherhood. And a lot of times we're, we're talking about it in a vacuum. Like what can we do? You have to remember we're only half of the parenting equation. And you want me to get my wife so, in here? I Ask mean, her sure. what she can do for me. <laughs> it's a different podcast. Uh, but we have to we have to remember that like, hey, your your spouse is part of that too. And maybe your spouse is at a different place than you. And maybe your spouse uh, has different physical needs. My wife is a hundred and... I'm sorry. I know that this isn't what you're about to say, but it sounded like you just said, my wife is a hundred. And I thought, well, yeah, blues, because we're talking about blue zones. <laughs> so yeah. Was, yeah. That's why we had you on this episode. Um, Brandon. But you know, my, 
my, my wife is tiny. She, and I'm huge and it doesn't make sense to make her eat a meal that's focused around weight loss because she doesn't have that weight to lose. And so sometimes it does mean I have to make a separate meal for myself. But sometimes it's also my wife does a really good job because she handles most of the cooking and shopping about making sure that those healthy options are there. This is something that you have to actively have a discussion with your partner about whether they are going to participate with you or whether they're not. If you want to uh, talk about living in a low stress lifestyle, if you are trying to do this on your own, that's not a low stress lifestyle. Like working things out with your partner can I'm add just meditating in the corner and I'm like, honey, you're taking away from the stress-free lifestyle <laughs> I'm trying to live. And so, yeah, you just, I mean, it's, it's a partnership. <laughs> you signed up for a partnership. Parenting is a partnership. Living your life in this way is a partnership. You know, and I know there are some people who are facing this alone and they do get to make those decisions themselves. And I, you know, hats off to you because I couldn't do that. But you know, I know there are a lot of people who are doing it successfully, but in my situation and in a lot of our situations, you're, you're not in this alone. You can't be like, I'm going to change our entire lifestyles. You have to, you have to be on the same page. And that's a whole, this is a whole nother episode. So Tanner, go ahead and edit all of this out and just end on your monologue. And I think we'll be perfect. No, I like that you've ended it. Brandon, go ahead and take us home. Ask people to follow us and such. Do it. You're, you're good at this. Do it. So uh, be sure to follow the fatherhood podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms now. Uh, and when you do that, you will be entertained. Yeah. You will learn. I'm not exactly sure what our value proposition is here, Tanner, <laughs> but, but I, we have some good you things to say. You will and have honest sign-offs from Brandon Uccio. You will. You will. Until next time, keep being a good parent. Okay. Or start. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's a great call yeah. to action. Give someone, give someone you know. love a hug. Do we have know. a newsletter to sign up for? Or can they give us money? At least or consider it. Do we have a product, a course? What, how do we, how are we? Yeah, our, our, our 15 week <laughs> fatherhood course. Right. Wait, how many weeks do you have? Led how many weeks me. do you have Led left? By me. How many weeks do you have left before you become a, a, a father? Tanner? Three weeks. It launches in four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be an expert at that point. All right. All right. So until next time, I'm Brandon. I'm Eric. I'm lost. <laughs>